0: The presenting sponsor of Behind the Beak is Down in Front Productions. DIFP is a video production company located in Birmingham, Alabama, that strives to provide high-quality video services for your business or event at very competitive prices with a personal approach. They specialize in sporting events, weddings, and business videography, but also provide recording and video editing work for other events such as seminars, commercials, and concerts. Give Dustin and the crew a call at 205-588-0868, or visit them at difpbham.com. That's d i f p b h a m.com to see how they can help you. Down in front productions, the presenting sponsor of Behind the Beak. He'll loose traffic, he'll drive a in! Oh my! Jamal Gregory! Highlight real time! Sports Center top 10 time. This is Behind the beat, the official podcast of Jacksonville State Athletics. Now, here's your host, Tyler Brown. Hello everyone, and welcome into Behind the Beak, the official podcast of Jacksonville State Athletics. I'm Tyler Brown, and this is episode number 17 of the series. If you missed last week's installment, episode number 16, it featured former basketball star Jason Burnell, who is currently living in Italy with his professional season suspended due to COVID-19. It's a fantastic interview that I think you'll enjoy. If you missed it, you should definitely go back and listen. All previous episodes of the podcast can be streamed at jsugamecocksports.com slash podcasts, and it's also available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Certainly hope that everyone is able to stay inside, stay safe, and You're practicing social distancing during this uncertain time. Had a staff meeting just this morning on uh, Microsoft Teams, and so this was the first time that everyone in the athletics department was kind of able to get together and discuss uh, everything that's going on. Um, We have some good news for you. We're going to be getting some content up on social media and up on the website soon. Uh, Here recently, mostly it's just been the podcast that's been up on the website, so not a lot of new stuff, but. Had a good meeting this morning, and uh, here in the coming days, be sure to check out our social media pages, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and check out the website, jsugamecocksports.com. We'll have some stuff coming up soon that'll be fun and interactive for you guys, uh, something in response to something we posted last week, so keep an eye out for that, and be sure to follow us online. Getting into this week's episode, I dialed up this week's guest, Mackenzie Rombach, on the phone a few days ago, so of course you'll have to... Excuse the quality of the recording. There's some pops and clicks on the phone that we don't normally get in our face-to-face interviews, but I think it turned out all right. Mackenzie was a four-year letter winner in both indoor and beach volleyball, becoming the first player in program history to do so, and was the recipient of the 2018-19 Eagle Owl Award. She finished her career with 473 blocks, good for second in the JSU record books, and became the 20th Gamecock to record 1,000 kills in her career. She's back in the United States but she most recently spent her first professional season in Germany before her rookie campaign came to an abrupt halt due to the coronavirus. Here to tell us about her first season in professional volleyball and having to depart just a little too soon from Germany is Mackenzie Rombach. Joined on the podcast today by Mackenzie Rombach, former Gamecock volleyballer and 2019 Eagle Owl Award winner. Mackenzie, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Well, Mackenzie, uh, you... uh, Like I was talking about before the podcast started, I didn't plan it this way, but last week I had Jason Burnell on the podcast, now this week you're on the podcast, and it just winds up that uh, both of you are 2018-19 Eagle Owl Award winners, so uh, back-to-back JSU honorees on the podcast this week. (laughs) You are in your first season of playing professional volleyball over in Germany, and just like Jason Burnell, your season has been cut short, and we're... JB's season has been suspended, your season has been canceled, and you were kind of near the end of your season. Tell me what things were like in Germany whenever the COVID-19 breakout began and kind of where you guys were at.
1: So a couple weeks before, like, anything became serious about COVID, um, there was just – we knew that the virus was out there, and it didn't really hit and became real until – Leading up to our week, we were preparing to go to Dresden. We had the doubleheader on the weekend, and this was about two weeks ago. And um, we were just practicing like normal, just figuring that everything was going to come through, that the virus was just going to be a thought. And it didn't really become real until um, it was a couple hours leading up to our departure. And our coach got a call from the Bundesliga, which is the league that I played in, and um, they said that they were canceling the second league. Um, the first league was still to be determined, but an hour after our decision was made, they canceled the first league as well.
0: At what point in the calendar is this? What what days of the month are we looking at when all this started to kind of begin to uh, be handed down, the cancellations?
1: Yeah, so like I had just received word about all the cancellations for OVC, and the NCAA and then it didn't become real until I believe it was March 13th that we got word that our Bundesliga was cancelled and I believe that was the same day that President Trump had called the travel ban from Europe. So that heightened everyone's panic especially for Americans trying to get back to the United States from Europe. And I left the 15th.
0: And so you you were able to get out and I know I think when that was initially announced, it it sounded like it was a travel ban on everyone, but as an American, you were able to get back into the country relatively easy. Is that kind of in the ballpark there, or was it a little tougher trying to get back?
1: It was definitely tougher. Um, So my sister had called me and told me about the travel ban, and at that time we were all in a panic because he didn't make the specifics that Americans would be let back in. And so originally I thought I was going to have to leave on Friday before the travel ban had initiated. And, um, the next day that they released that Americans would be let back in. So I scheduled my flight literally within 24 hours. I was, um, leaving from Frankfurt and then I had a connection Dublin and then Dublin is where, um, I ran into a United States pre-clearance customs is what they called it. And that's where they're having medical testing and questioning like where people have been in Europe. And because I had been in a hot country, which was Germany and a couple of weeks before this whole outbreak, I had been in Italy actually. So um, I stood in that line for three to four hours, oh, wow. and then they called out our, our entire flight to Chicago here because we were about to miss our flight. Everyone in that line was about to miss everyone's flight.
0: So once you got back to uh, the States and once you flew into Chicago, was there additional screening there, customs that you had to go through that was more so out of the ordinary than usual?
1: Yeah, there were. So um, fortunately for me, it was quite easy once I got to Chicago Hair, but the two days before people had been waiting in the lines to get a medical screening for six to eight hours. But luckily for me, it only took, I think about an hour and it only included um, like a questioning by the Centers for Disease Control. Mm -hmm. And then um, we had a initial like symptoms check and temperature before we were allowed to get our bags off the carousel and then go through actual customs.
0: Now, once you got back, did they put you under any type of mandatory quarantine or you self-quarantine on your own, just like the Americans that have been lucky enough to be off from work and stay at home and stay isolated?
1: Fortunately for me, I was just highly, highly recommended to go on a 14-day quarantine. So I'm actually practicing this self-quarantine and I've been not seeing my grandparents or anyone, and this is day 10 of my self-quarantine.
0: And then uh, Daniel, who's listening on the call, the uh, volleyball sports information director, he and I both have had conversations to where uh, we're both not too far from home, and we've decided to stay in town because of being afraid of taking it home to grandparents and stuff like that too. And so uh, we've, we've been stuck in our apartments as well, and obviously that's something that everyone should be doing if you're able to do it. And, uh, during that time, what are some things that you've been doing to uh, kind of keep busy while you've been in the house?
1: I have definitely read a lot of books. Like I was not a big reader until this quarantine. I think I've read about three <laughs> and <laughs> watching Netflix and, um, actually it was a blessing in disguise. This is the first time in two years that my whole family has actually been in the same house. So, um, I've been able to hang out with them as well and trying to get on each other's nerves. (laughs) Kenzie kind of on that note,
0: also talk about your siblings and what uh, Kelsey and everyone's doing. And then your brother, he plays sports and Kelsey's coaching and everything like that.
1: Yeah. um, So my older sister Kelsey, um, she coaches at Dartmouth college as the women's assistant basketball coach. And right now, um, Due to the NCAA restrictions, um, the whole team, along with, like, what along JSU's protocols, the whole team left campus, and so they're having to remotely recruit, and um, she's just been busy. She made her whole kitchen, her office, with all of her coaching things, and then my brother was actually, he was participating or supposed to participate in the NAIA national championship tournament in Super Falls. And they were actually there practicing, getting ready for it, leading up doing all of the banquets and things. And then a day before it was supposed to start, they canceled the whole tournament. And then he was also supposed to graduate this year from IU East and His graduation, I believe, is postponed right now, but I'm assuming there's going to be a cancellation. My little sister, Erin, she's kind of in the same boat. She wasn't playing any sports in the spring, but she was supposed to graduate as well from high school and have her senior prom and everything, and that's been all up in the air on the verge of cancellation as well.
0: Mackenzie, you're one of three girls from North America that plays for the Pro Win Volleys in Germany. Kelsey Chambers, who's from the U.S., um, she tried to leave, and uh, Kayla Jorgensen from Canada also tried to leave Germany about the same time you did. Uh, Kayla was able to get back, but Kelsey got hung up, and she is still in Germany. Is that correct?
1: Yes, she is right now, but thankfully for her, um, she has a boyfriend who is from Luxembourg, so she's able to stay with his family during this time as long as— like, the travel bans don't get tighter. I'm not exactly sure what the travel bans are right now, but I'm assuming that there's not many flights going back and forth.
0: And have you been able to keep in touch with Kelsey since you've left? Kind of what she's uh, experiencing over there and what it's like in Germany while, while you're back in the States?
1: I've been trying to keep as much contact with everyone from Germany as I can, because it was kind of hard that this experience was almost just ripped away from my hands. So yeah, I've been trying to keep tabs of everyone. And so far everyone is all right. There's no positive cases of COVID that I've heard of in our immediate like team. So right now everyone's safe and healthy and that's all I can ask for.
0: Now there are some leagues that have suspended some that have canceled as yours did. What do you think would be worse? Uh, they went ahead and just canceled it and said there's no chance that we're going to play, or would it be more aggravating to think, well, it's postponed and maybe we'll get to play, and then it gets pushed off, you know, another two weeks, and then you're having to sit there and wait for that two weeks to be up to see if you can play again. What would what would be the what's, – what's the worst-case scenario for you?
1: I think personally for me it was having the season canceled just on the brink. Like I was – I understand the need for the decision to be made, but just the anticipation going into that weekend, we were playing, we were at the top of our game. We were playing at our heightened abilities and the practices leading up to that game were phenomenal. Like I thought we were going to go and sweep both these teams and they were the top teams in our league. And um, just to have that situation like, It was just yanked away from me, and it really put myself in perspective Like that you never know when your last day of playing is going to be because I didn't realize that a couple weeks ago that the last game, that was potentially the last game that I've ever played. And so that's been hard for me. But I can also see from having constant, like, postponements that would be aggravating just as well.
0: Obviously, like you talked about with your brother and sister being uh, involved in college athletics, and then uh, you were the first Gamecock to play all four years both indoor and on sand, and so there's a lot of girls that you played with that didn't even get to start their beach season this year. Have you been in contact with them, and what are some of the things that you guys have kind of talked about with the season being canceled the way it was, and, you know, you go through summer, fall winter and you're getting ready for the spring season then all of a sudden this coronavirus crops up and then all of that's for naught
1: so I've been keeping tabs with like Maddie and Sadie and I've been trying to keep tabs along with everyone else as well but um I think it's just it's just a sad situation my heart goes out to them I can't even imagine being in their situation preparing all that after coming off such a successful indoor season and ready to start and transition into the sand season and just your senior season that's you know that's supposed to be the golden season your last season like lay everything else you have to give to the program and just to have that ripped away from them before they can even begin is unimaginable and um, I understand that there's NCAA as granted red shirts, but it's also hard for some of the student athletes to go back for a year just for a season unless, um, I don't know, it's just a difficult situation.
0: You're obviously going through somewhat of the same situation. What's something you've done to stay positive and what's something that you would tell your former teammates to keep them positive during this time?
1: I think it's just, it's a surreal experience going on right now. I think the best thing to do is just to be grateful for the experiences that they have had and um, to come away knowing that they gave it all to the program and even though they weren't able to participate as they assumed and thought that they were going to be able to is that. They gave their all to this program, and they set the precedents for the years to come. And I think that gives a little solace because, like, from my experience at JSU, like, I left a piece of myself there. And I think that really helped me move on in both my professional volleyball and my career.
0: You mentioned having such a successful fall season, winning the regular season championship. And you were a big part of putting those pieces together and getting this team to where they are now for you personally, although you weren't here for it, what did it mean to you to see your former teammates get that ring and get that championship and to be able to be a part of that rebuild to get JSU back to where it is now?
1: I was so excited for them when when I saw them win that game. Cause I was in Germany that ESPN doesn't really transfer back and forth. And so I was actually on FaceTime with my old sister and I was making sure she was giving me play by plays of every part of that, (laughs) every part of that game. And when they did it, I was, I cried. I was so excited for all of them. Like they all deserved it. And just to be a part of them and know that that was my, I was part of that team at one point in history and I helped essentially I was a part of it that is amazing and I'm so happy and grateful to have been part of that team and all the experiences that this program has provided me and I can't wait to see how they do next year and the years to come.
0: Your name's all throughout the record book 2018-19 Eagle Owl Award. School record, 175 blocks in a single season. You're second all-time at JSU with 473 career blocks. You were the 20th Gamecock to reach 1,000 kills, two-time All-OVC, and then you're somewhat of a pioneer by playing all four years of beach plus indoor. When it comes to being able to say that you've done all of that, and you are talking about leaving a piece of yourself in Jacksonville, what did your time as a Gamecock wearing the red and white mean to you?
1: My time as a Gamecock was honestly one of the best times of my life. It was one of the biggest learning experiences, and the relationships and experiences and all the people that I've met have been unimaginable. I am so grateful for the opportunities that JSU has provided me and continues to. And um, just to say that I was a Gamecock at one point in my life, that's one of my greatest honors. Um, the awards and things are still there, but just to know that I, those were a result of the teams that I was on. Like, it was never, I never just looked at it as an individual from an individual standpoint. Like, yes, they look good, but I was able to get those because of my teams, because of my coaches, and because of the culture that was established there. And I was so, I'm so grateful. And even when I'm 75 years old, I'll probably still be talking about it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And really um, something that just came to mind was this COVID-19 isn't really kind of the, one of the uh, first things that you've played through Uh, back in 2018, when the tornadoes hit JSU, uh, you guys had to kind of adjust and you spent the 2018 fall season playing at Kenimer Hall. And so are there any comparisons that you kind of draw from this to where you're kind of overcoming this adversity and continuing with volleyball?
1: I think definitely one of the main comparisons between the tornadoes and this COVID-19 outbreak, they were both bad situations, but the community and the people at JSU were what made the situations better. We were able to find solutions Such as us playing in Kenimer, they redid the floor for us and it was beautiful in there. And although it wasn't what we expected, we always took what we had and made it the best that we could. And I think that's one thing that sets JSU apart from everyone else.
0: Outside of Jacksonville State itself, because I know there's a lot of things there that you miss, that I'm sure, like a lot of people, they wish they could relive that part of college and do some stuff, you know, over again and, you know, suit up one more time. Outside of JSU, what is one thing in Jacksonville you wish you could do one more time? If you whenever you come back to Jacksonville State to, to visit, what's the first thing you're gonna do?
1: Ooh. Um, I think I would definitely go to Cuda Brown's and <laughs> order some ribs. <laughs> After saying hi to everyone first.
0: <laughs> When's the last time you came back to Jacksonville State?
1: Um, I actually went back this past summer because I had left um, some of my like dorm things, my apartment furniture there. And so um, one of my teammates, Maddie, was gracious to allow me to let me hold some of my stuff there. And so um, I went back and got to just reconnect with everyone and kind of say my goodbye before I left for Germany. So I believe that was in july
0: Everything was going well in Germany. You said you guys were playing at very high level. How was your game going? How did you feel like you were adjusting to the pro level, and what were some of the differences between college-level athletics and pro volleyball in Germany that was different that you kind of had to adjust to in your rookie year?
1: I think one of the main things that I had to adjust to was um, the culture um, that was established by the different programs. So in Germany, it was a huge learning curve, because I came in along with my fellow North Americans, and we, we didn't know the language, and most of the girls did, and our coaches did as well, which was a blessing. But um, there were some practices where it would almost be just straight German talking, and we would try to give our best in everything, but <laughs> it was um, definitely a culture shock. But I'm so grateful for that experience as well. Cause I was able to meet those people and um, definitely the style of play was different as well. In pro volleyball, um, the rules are different and the ball is different as well. The ball is a lot heavier hmm. and then um, there's less substitutions. So as a middle, that's fine because we have the liberos to come in for us, but I think it's about six subs as opposed to um I want to say it's 10 or so or more in college athletics, but.
0: I would imagine that makes the matches go a little bit faster as well.
1: Yes. It also adds more complexity to the game because if someone's struggling and there's not that ability to pull someone out just as freely, it definitely forces people to fight through adversity, which I do like about that as well.
0: You mentioned the culture within the team and learning the language as far as coaches and players go outside of volleyball. What was it like adjusting to that culture and being in a country where you don't know the language and you're out there trying to you know, find housing and go to the grocery store for food and different things like that.
1: Thankfully our coaching staff and like the support staff with our club, they did a lot with helping us with bank accounts and finding housing and just, um, basic things to get us settled there the grocery stores were our greatest adventures (laughs) we we um would honestly like the first couple of days we would go through the grocery store and be there for hours just trying to find like the normal things it definitely made you more um it made me more grateful coming back to the United States because I had just taken advantage that I could just run to the grocery store and oh, I know exactly where to go. I know exactly what words I'm looking for on the packaging. And um, it definitely made me more grateful for the little things that I had taken granted in the United States.
0: So obviously there's no Cooter Browns over in Germany. So what was the food like there? And did you try something new that you liked? Or was uh, were you trying to stick more to uh, the food that you were used to?
1: This was definitely like one of my learning moments and it really got me out of my comfort zone. And so my mindset going in was that I was going to be open to everything. Like I was just going to never like just try as many experiences, food, anything as I could. So, um, definitely in Germany, um, I enjoyed the pretzels. They were my favorite. Um, As for German food, um, schnitzel, I really enjoyed that as well, and I just tried to absorb as much of the culture as I could to get the most out of the experience.
0: Are there prospects of returning next year to Germany?
1: Um, That is still to be determined. Um, I am keeping all my opportunities open as of the moment, so we shall see.
0: Well, Mackenzie, we're just about to wrap up. And just like I did with uh, JB last week was the first time I did it. We're going to do a small segment called Did You Know? And I'm going to ask you a few questions and uh, make you kind of think on your feet and maybe some fun questions here for you to answer. Obviously, right now, since you're in quarantine, you mentioned Netflix a few minutes ago. What are you watching on Netflix that's keeping you busy?
1: Ooh, um, well, there were certain episodes in general that I couldn't get, so Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and then even on Amazon Prime, The Marvelous Ms. Maisel. Those are what I'm watching right now.
0: And it's funny that you mention Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., because the next question was, if you could be any comic book superhero, who would you be?
1: I really like Thor. Definitely Thor. Um, I don't know. It'd be cool to have lightning powers. (laughs) I don't know.
0: (laughs) Who is your favorite celebrity or athlete?
1: My favorite celebrity, I would definitely say Adam Sandler. I'm a huge comedy buff, so he was the first one that I watched on SNL, and I got hooked.
0: What was your favorite toy growing up?
1: Um, I, do you guys know what Simon, those Simon games are where it has the lights on it?
0: Oh yeah, the Simon and Says. Like,
1: yes, that. I love doing that. I was pretty, I think I would say I was advanced. Um, Maybe like nine or ten, but I was younger then. <laughs> so, I'll try. I'll try it again now. We'll see how we do.
0: <laughs> you've got plenty of time at home to do it now. Exactly. What accomplishment are you most proud of?
1: I think one of the accomplishments that I'm most proud of would be the Eagle Owl Award. Um, it was just something that I had heard of my freshman year coming into JSU, and I was it was always in the back of my mind, like, oh, that's a very very awesome award to have, like, it's, it not, and I really enjoyed it, because it not only focused on athletics, but it also mentioned, like, academics, and community, and, um, I'm very proud, because without my team, I wouldn't have had the success that I would have had, and, um, just to be named that, like, I, honestly, I wasn't expecting it at the end of the year banquet, um, because there were so many accomplished athletes like every year jsu has accomplished athletes and for me to be picked out of all the other females that had proven themselves in their respective sports was um just very humbling and i was very honored to receive that
0: Mackenzie, that's a fantastic answer and I think we're going to wrap it up, I don't think we can uh, we can top that with another question. Thanks so much for coming on with us today, joining us on the phone. Um, obviously, we're so sorry about uh, the season being cut short for you, but we're glad that you're back home in the States. You're safe, you're healthy, and like you said, you're keeping your options open for next year, and we hope that something great comes your way. Daniel Porter, volleyball sports information director. He does a great job of keeping up with you and keeping us updated, uh, where you're at on social media. And so, uh, just so much, uh, thanks again for coming on with us today and sharing your story. And, uh, we'll be keeping up with you.
1: Thank you so much.
0: That'll do it for this week's episode of behind the Peak Be sure to join us next week for another installment until then. I'm Tyler Brown saying thank you for listening and go Gamecocks. This has been Behind the Beak, the official podcast of Jacksonville State Athletics. Look for new episodes each week or browse the archives on the Apple Podcast app or by visiting jsugamecocksports.com. For more on Jacksonville State Athletics, visit the official website of the Gamecocks, jsugamecocksports.com, and follow JSU on social media by searching at JSU Gamecocks on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.